Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Tired? I heard somebody say tired. Oh, okay, Abby, I, I feel you. All right, yeah, tired, I get it. I get it. Um, man, can you believe that it's Thanksgiving next week? Here, we just decided to skip Thanksgiving altogether and go straight to Christmas. So, um, no, I'm kidding. We are not doing that. We're not skipping Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving too much, as you can see. Um, I enjoy turkey. I enjoy getting together with family and, and hanging out. And today we're going to talk about, because we're coming up on Thanksgiving, we are going to talk about cultivating a life of thankfulness. Cultivating a life of thankfulness. Because thankfulness isn't just something that we are supposed to say. I mean, it's, it's culturally acceptable, right? Somebody gives you something, you say, thank you. I, I'm, on, I'm on my kids a lot with this, right? Um, uh, anybody who has kids understands this. You're, you give your kids something and they'll, they'll just take it and run off. Or, and you're, hey, wait a minute. What do you, what do you say to daddy? I, I just gave you something. What do you say? Thank you. And then they run off and they go about their thing. That's not the kind of life that we have been called to. We have been called to a life that actually overflows with thankfulness. And it's a thankfulness that, that we, when we live out of this, it influences everything. I was experiencing this morning a lack of thankfulness in my own heart and mind, and it was evident in the way some things went down in my house this morning. Okay, any, anybody else experienced anything like that before? Nobody? Oh, a few, a few of you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, no, we, we are going to talk about cultivating a life of thankfulness this morning. I, I remember a time I was treated to a very nice meal. Anybody been treated to a nice meal before? That's, that's nice. That's, that's something very well worth being thankful for. But in the process of this meal, even though I was hanging out with some people that I really enjoyed hanging out with, and I was eating, I was eating steak. Now, if you know me, you know that I love steak. And anytime I get a really nice steak, I, I'm, I'm very happy. But, but this particular evening, as we were all sitting around the table and we were experiencing our time together, the service at this particular restaurant was kind of lacking. It was slow. They weren't really taking care of us really well, all that kind of a thing. And I lost complete sight of being with the people I was with, of eating the food I was eating, and just enjoying the conversation. And I fixated on this one thing, this lack of service. And you know what? I started grumbling in my heart. I started grumbling. And then I started grumbling with my mouth. And the way that I behaved, I, I actually started acting like the poster child for unthankfulness. Anybody else here besides me ever done anything like that? Sometimes we get, we encounter things in our lives that are inconveniences, right? A Christmas present that just doesn't make any sense. Really? This is what you think of when you think of me? I've got a picture here for you. Maybe, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a lack of a, of a bonus, right? You get enrolled in the Jelly of the Month Club, and you are counting on something else. Maybe, maybe, I know, I know, this, is, this is, might be a pipe dream, but the 512 is relatively open, okay? <laughs> Except for the two people driving in tandem directly ahead of you at 58 miles an hour, right? And so, and, and so what? We start to grumble. 
But maybe it's, it's not just mere annoyances for us. Maybe the, the issues that, that are encroaching in our lives are, are much bigger. Issues regarding health or, or finances or relational struggles. Whatever difficulty you find yourself in, whether it's a minor inconvenience or, or something that is genuinely life-changing and earth-shattering, if you are a Christ follower, you are called to be a thankful person. To live a life of thankfulness. But how do we get there? How do we get there? I know, I know a lot of things that I'm supposed to do. And I don't know about you, but every single time I fail at the supposed to's, I just start whipping myself. I start beating myself up and I get discouraged. Anybody else feel that way from time to time? Yeah, we all do. So how do we get there? We have to begin to practice thankfulness. We have to practice it because thankfulness isn't something that just magically appears in our character. It just doesn't, we don't just wake up and it's just there one day. It's not something that, that we're automatically good at or that even, at least to begin with, is, just comes out of us spontaneously. We are going to have to work at it. We have to put it in to practice. Like the way football players on a football team practice over and over and over and over again. Let's run the play again. Let's run it again. Let's get it right. Let's practice those blockings and, and, those, and those routes and all kinds of things until finally... It has become, they've done it so much, it becomes muscle memory. And they are able just to go out and to do it. Or, or like uh, musicians, if you've ever tried to learn to play an instrument, you know that you don't just get up one day and you're, you're able just to do that. You have to practice it over and over and over again. You've got to learn how to hold whatever instrument that you're holding in the proper way. If, if, it's, if it's a guitar, you're learning how to strum and to play chords and to sing at the same time, right? You're, you're learning these things and you do it over and over and over again until it becomes muscle memory, become, until it becomes ingrained within you. We have to practice thankfulness. That's our big idea this morning. If you're taking notes on your outlines, uh, becoming a grateful person involves a process of practicing thankfulness. We have to practice it. The Apostle Paul wrote to a church, a group of people, in a town called Colossae, okay, and the Christ followers in this town were being bombarded with all kinds of ideas from the culture around them and even from people who were claiming to be Christians that were bringing philosophies and ideas into the church. And all of these things were designed and aimed at removing them from relationship with Jesus Christ, ultimately. Okay? They were, they were designed to sidetrack them from Jesus. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Much of what we encounter in our culture screams at us about how Jesus' way is wrong. We're told about alternative narratives to base our lives around and that Jesus' way is actually limiting. But as we will see as from what Paul says here, it's actually all of those other ideas that are the limiting things. The things that are, are keeping us out of real Life. So this morning what I want us to do is I want, we're going to look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2, we're going to look at verses 6 
and seven this morning. Two verses, two fairly simple verses. And then at the end of the message this morning, I'm going to actually give you guys a practice, something that you can use, that you can do over and over and over again. And you can even incorporate these two verses, simple verses, into that practice and begin to, to practice thankfulness. So here we go. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, I'm reading out of the NIV, it says this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. In these two short verses, we are given away to, to, to live our lives. It, it's a map. It's a way of living that culminates with a wild, a crazy, a reckless, thankful life. And it's not based on a list of rules to follow. Nothing that we are going to talk about is a, is, is a bunch of rules that we just simply check off. It's about following a person and becoming like this person. It's about following Jesus. In verse 6, Paul says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. In other words, he says, since you have pledged your allegiance and faithfulness to the reigning king of the world. That's, that's what he says. When, when you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, you are saying, I am following Jesus. My life from here on out is being lived following Jesus. I am going to be faithful to him. It's pledging our allegiance to him. Since or just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. In other words, continually make him the focus, the focal point, the thing that you are constantly looking at, you're basing your decisions on. We talked about this a few weeks ago at the beginning of the Be Become Do series. In John 15, when Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you, he says, he's saying, make your home in me. Live in me. That's what Paul is saying here. In verse 7, he continues with the how. Rooted and built up in him. Paul is combining two images here. He's combining the image of a tree where its roots are growing deep into the soil. Anybody here ever uh, experienced or, or witnessed or seen pictures from a windstorm where trees have been knocked over? Yeah? My, my, uh, my mom lives in an area in the, in the Eugene area where the ground gets fairly wet like it does here, and some of the trees actually haven't had their roots go all the way down. So what happens? As, as the ground gets wet and as the wind blows, these trees are going down and houses are getting hit left and right, okay? But Paul says, be rooted. The image here is get your roots down deep. He says, built up in him. The idea here is of a building that has been well built not like me when I, I, I build a fort for my kids 
that's out of chairs that aren't nailed to the ground and blankets are just spread over there and I'm using whatever kind of materials I can find to kind of prop those blankets up and and keep them there, but then they fall down. He says, don't be like that. Be a building that is well built, something that is solid from the foundation all the way up. And here's the key in this. When he says rooted and built up, he says, have God do this in your life. That's the thing. It's not about me rooting myself. It's not about me building myself. It's not about you doing those things for yourselves. It is about God doing those things in us as we continue to live our lives in Christ. The bottom line is be, become, do. Be with Jesus so you can become like him so you can do the things that Jesus does. This message is not part of that series that we just wrapped up, but we see this here again. Be, become, do. When we've take uh, what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, remain focused on Jesus both as the example to follow and as the road to travel. Focus on Jesus as we become people who are marked by thankfulness that continually overflows. You ever watch a river in springtime with the rains that come and the, and, and the river starts to rise and what, what does the river do? It kind of leaves its usual boundaries, doesn't it? doesn't it? It just kind of sloshes everywhere. That's the idea here. That's the kind of way that we're supposed to overflow with thankfulness. It's like a river in springtime. It's just rising and and the thankfulness just kind of sloshes out everywhere. It's sloppy and it's messy and that's the way God wants it to be. So we have some specific things that we can do, some ways to practice thankfulness as we enter into the process of becoming thankful people. If you're taking notes on your outline, number one, the first way, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Specifically, be aware of envy and negative comparisons. Nobody here ever has any issues with that, right? Not ever. I never do that. Might want to stand back. I may be struck by lightning here in a moment. Um, Guard your heart. My son Caleb is a wheeler dealer. He loves to negotiate for things. I, ever since he's been about two years old, if, if I presented him with something, he'd come to me and say, whoa, 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 wait, wait, daddy, daddy. I've got an even better idea, right? And his better ideas were based on what he thought was gonna benefit him more, Okay? Now, to be perfectly honest, I do the same thing. I'm presented with things all of the time. I am surrounded by wonderful things. And lots of times I come out of it saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I've got an even better idea. Only for me, it doesn't stop at negotiation. When I don't get what I want, what do I do? I pout. Man, nobody likes me, everybody hates me. Guess I'll just go eat some worms. I pout. Sometimes I can even get bitter. 
I get embittered because I'm looking at something I don't have and I'm envying something rather than guarding my heart. What about you? What kinds of things do you do when you slip into the envy and the negative comparison? You don't have to answer it. Just think about it. What do you do? Here's what the Bible says about this. We're we're told this. I've got two verses, both in Proverbs. Proverbs 4.23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, if you do nothing else in your life, guard your heart. Because it is the very source of everything. Everything, every word, every action, every attitude that you have. And it's going to determine your life. Guard your heart. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body. Now, peace here is not about the absence of stress or anything like that. It it simply means that everything is in order. Everything is as it should be. That's what the Bible is talking about when it's talking about peace. Everything is as it should be. A heart at peace, a heart as it should be, gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. Here's the point. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Part of how you can enter into the process of practicing thankfulness is to guard against things like envy, negative comparisons, bitterness, jealousy, all of these things that come in and that will actually rot us from the inside out. Guard your heart. We guard our hearts by practicing slowing down. It's really hard to guard our hearts when we're just running at a thousand miles an hour. We've got to slow down. We've got to take stock. We've got to listen to our own lives and what is happening inside of us. And then focusing on on God, who He is, and all He has done for us in Christ. When we do that, there won't be room for those things that rot us. Why do we do this? Because we have been loved as we are. God doesn't ask you to become something in order to love you. He loves you right now in all of your issues, in all of your troubles, in all of your problems, your relational stuff, your, your financial stuff, your health stuff, and, 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 and all of the, the not really big things. God loves you in all of it as you are. And we're called to respond to that love by becoming thankful people who are actively participating in the process of practicing that thankfulness over and over again. And part of how to do that is to guard our hearts. Guard our hearts. And again, I'm going to give you a practice that is going to help you to do this at the end. Here. So here's the next thing. We've got to guard our hearts, but number two on your outline, if you're taking notes, you need to guard your mouth. Guard your mouth. I'm seeing a lot of smiles and I'm hearing a lot of chuckling. (laughs) 
I, uh, I have a little confession to make. I remember one time I was feeling particularly frustrated and, and my wife and I had had a little bit of a, a spat. And uh, yes, your pastor does that. Um, and we were going to church, not here, it was another place. We were going to church, no less. And my response out of my frustration was to say, Jawohl, mein Führer. Yeah, she's okay. Now, some of you are probably a little bit too young to catch the what I was talking about there. Uh, those of you who have a little bit more experience in in United States history, you can explain it to the rest of them later. I'm I'm too ashamed of what I did to do that now. But the my point is, you know what? I actually did that twice in my marriage. I, I was not guarding my mouth. I was not guarding my mouth. And because I didn't guard my mouth, bad things happened. <laughs> Let me, guys, learn from my experience. Never do that, ever, okay? Don't ever do that. Guard your mouth. What about you? What happens when you go down the road of complaining or griping, or maybe when you get to the point you've just had enough and, and you can't hold it back anymore you, or you choose not to hold it back anymore and you say something, what happens for you? Here's what the Bible says about guarding our mouths. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10 says this, and do not grumble as some of them did. And were killed by the destroying angel. Now, I want to be clear here. I am not saying that God is going to strike you dead at this moment for grumbling, okay? Please do not hear that. Paul, at this point in 1 Corinthians, he is telling the church in Corinth to learn the lesson from the Israelites. He's taking them back to Israel's history. And he's saying, remember how they lived and don't do that. Don't go there. Don't do it. Here's why. Grumbling. Talking down. When we don't guard our mouths, it destroys unity. It destroys it. Just think about it. My story with my wife, all that did was tear down our relationship. It didn't build it up. It didn't encourage anybody. Every time you decide to let your mouth fly, to let your tongue go, you are tearing things down. That's what we do when we grumble, when we complain in all of its forms. Here's something else we're told. James chapter 1, verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious, in other words, they, they, they think that they're faithful to God and, their, and that their lives are showing their, their faithfulness to God, okay? That's what, that's what James is talking about when he says religious there. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight ring on their tongues deceive themselves and their supposed faithfulness is useless. It's worthless. It amounts to nothing. It amounts to nothing. Part of how you can enter into the process of practicing thankfulness 
is guarding against things like complaining and griping. When you get just fed up with something, holding back instead of letting it fly. Now, I'm not talking about not addressing issues. That's something else. I'm talking about griping. I'm talking about complaining. I'm talking about tearing things down rather than building things up. And we do this by slowing down. I can tell you all kinds of times in my life where things have gone sideways and bad because I haven't taken the time to just slow down and to think and to process before I move forward. I can tell you things have gone a whole lot better when I do that. So we need to practice that slowing down because when we do that, there won't be room for the griping. There won't be room for the complaining for the malcontent. Why do we do this? Because we have been loved as we are. Not as we should be, but as we are. And we're called to respond in love. We need to guard our, heart, our, our mouths. Number three on your outline, guard your mind. Guard your mind. We need, to, we need to guard our hearts, we need to guard our mouths, and we need to guard our minds. This is all about focusing on what is good. Focusing on the good. There for a little while, as I would put my son Caleb to bed at night, he would ask me, and I don't, I'm not entirely sure where he got this idea. I promise you I did not let him watch any scary movies or anything like that. But he would frequently ask me a question, Daddy, what if somebody comes in in the middle of the night and, and tries to steal me, tries to take me away? I mean, he was, there was some genuine fear there for him. I would just smile at him as reassuringly as I, can, I could. And I'd say, Caleb, in that event, Daddy would behave like a very giant angry gorilla and that person would be no more. <laughs> okay? I'd try to make light of it a little bit, get him to laugh a little bit, but then I would turn his attention. You know, buddy, you know that Jesus is always with you, right? Yeah, daddy, I know. What do you think you can do in those times when, when you're feeling scared and you're, you're afraid? I, I can talk to Jesus. I can sometimes do the same thing that my son does. Only I'm not worried about somebody stealing me out of my bed. I'm, I'm a little bit too heavy for that, I think. Um, but for me, it comes in the form about, of worrying about money, health, some relational issue, stuff at work. And I'm very capable of coming up with the absolute worst case scenario. When I am focusing on those things, I will build the worst case scenario in my mind. What about you? What does it look like when you're focused on negative things? What do you tend toward? Where does your mind go? Here's, here's what we're told. Again, this is the Apostle Paul, Philippians 4, 8. 
Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about these things. This verse comes in the context of Paul telling the church in Philippi to live their whole lives as a celebration to God. As demonstrating that they love him and that they're thankful to him. And part of how they and we are supposed to do this is to, is to think continually on good things. This isn't a, 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 an issue of positive thinking or mind over matter or, or anything like that or, or, or ignoring bad things. It simply says, yes, the bad stuff is there. I am focusing on the good. It's a little bit like for anybody in here who is married, have you ever encountered a time in your relationship with your spouse where you did not believe the best about them? You, maybe you assume some things. Maybe they did some things that deserved your, your, your not thinking so highly of them. But what happens when you get stuck in not believing the best about? What happens? Bad stuff. There are landmines everywhere, aren't there? Uh, you guys, I, I, I don't say this to you. I'm saying this about me even. Okay? When we are continually focused on the negative stuff, then it's the negative stuff that influences our, our way of thinking, our way of living, the direction that we move in life. So Paul says, guard your minds. Guard your minds. I had a, in high school, I, I wrestled, and, and one of the things that my coaches told me was, Nathan, if you can just control your opponent's head, you will control where the rest of their body goes. It's the same thing, and it's true. <laughs> I had my head controlled a whole lot in wrestling. <laughs> but the same thing is true for us. Wherever our minds are at, wherever our heads are headed, that's where our lives are going. So we need to guard our minds, and we do this, again, by practicing slowing down. We pull back. We step back out of a situation. We assess it. We focus on God, who he is, and all he has done for us in Christ. And when we do that, there won't be room for those negative things to take control in our minds. So we need to guard our hearts, our mouths, and our minds. But how do we do this? How do we slow down? What is this practice that leads to thankfulness. Here it is. The practice. Guard your focus. Clint, uh, you want to go ahead and come on up, sir? I just little music in the background for us. This is how we're actually going to wrap up our service today. I want to give you something. I want us to enter into something that you can do. You can take this home. You can go with it wherever you are. It will help us to guard our hearts, our mouths, and our minds. And, and when we do this over and over again, we're going to be like those football players learning the plays. We're going to be like the musicians learning the instruments and the songs and the timing and all of that. 
when we actively guard our overall focus and continue to practice guarding our focus, we're like that team. We're like those musicians learning to play at a higher level. So here's a very simple practice I want to share with all of you. And if you engage in this, it's going to help you out in this process. First of all, you've got to be intentional. You've got to decide to do this. At, at specific pre-planned points of each day, simply stop and bring your focus back to God. You can use the passage we started out with this morning to help you. It's going to be up on the screen. I want us to actually read this together. This is a practice. You can memorize this. Everybody can memorize this. It's very simple. You can begin this practice with, with these verses. And then you can go wherever God leads you in it. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Let's, let's read this together. Ready? Go. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. There's something about reading, about memorizing, and about, about saying these verses. It helps them actually to get into us and not just be something that, that we, we, we look at. Maybe get your smartphone out at these pre-planned times of the day and, and on, on your Bible app, open it up. Read that passage two or three times and then pray, pray something like, Father, thank you for all you have done to make me part of your family in Christ. Help me to be focused on that in the stressful moments of the day and to not forget it when things are going really well. Let me overflow with thankfulness to you in all I do and all I'm part of. And help me to do this by your spirit. Pray something simple like that. Take five minutes to do it. Do it right before or after your lunchtime. Do this during your breaks at work or when you're in school. You're in between classes. You're walking to the next class. You've got time. Just do it. Do this when you first get up in the morning and, and right before you go to bed at night. Stop. Use those verses to focus on what it is God has done because they're all about what God has done and what God wants to do in us. Make your home with Jesus in those moments and then address the situations you go out into in the way that you live. You guys, this is the road to thankfulness. This is the road to, to living a life of thanksgiving. What if, as you withdrew from the rat race of life intentionally for five minutes at a time, even just five minutes, maybe it gets bigger than that as you go on, but just beginning with five minutes, how might your life be different? What might your relationships be like? 
from the stress of a moment between you and your spouse or a loved one or a friend or, or maybe a coworker, you just stepped back and said, okay, thank you, God, for your life that you give to me. Help me to live that out. What if you did that? What might our community around us be like if we did that? I want to encourage you guys, engage in this process. Don't just say happy Thanksgiving on Thursday. Live it. Live it. Center on Jesus. Make your home in him. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. That so often, God, I know I forget about in the moments when life isn't going the way I want it to because I'm focused so much on that want, I lose sight of what you've done. Of, of what I have because of you. God, forgive me for that. Forgive us for those moments. Help us to center on you in all things and in all ways, in all points of the day. To make our home in you so that you can root us deep and build us up strong. You know, maybe you haven't begun your life as a Christ follower and and you want to get in on what it is that God has done. I'm going to say a prayer, just make it yours. God, I, I want that life. I want that love that isn't determined on what I do, but on who you are. So here I am. Take me. Make me part of your family. Give me your life. I give you mine. Father, for anybody who's made that prayer their own, fill them with your presence right now. Let them experience your goodness and your love right here, right now, in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. And God, for all of us, as we go from here today, let us practice thankfulness. Let us be thankful people knowing that you are with us always. Thank you so much for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.